Hello, Texans. Welcome to the show. Originating from NRG Stadium, the Hyundai Texans radio studio, Mark Vandermeer with John Harris with you as we'll be on tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and get you ready for Sunday as the Texans take on the New Orleans Saints, a 7 o'clock kick right here and on the Bull 100.3 FM and a nationally televised game on Fox 26 as well. That's the third straight national window for the Texans who's game against the Patriots was cleared on NFL Network. That was the Patriots broadcast. Then the Texans broadcast with Kevin Kugler and D. Kalu and Drew Doherty got cleared on the NFL Network platform on Saturday afternoon, but you saw it live here in town on ABC 13. Anyway, that's just broadcast stuff. Let's get into it with the general manager now of the Houston Texans, Nick Casario, as the team has a big week, joint practices with the Saints called off, but a Pretty big practice schedule, a very important prep schedule in place as the team prepares to face New Orleans in the preseason finale Sunday night at 7. Let's get into it. Nick, how's it going? Fellas, good to be here. It's good to be in Houston. The joint practice is canceled. All right, why don't we get into that a little bit, how that came about. D'Amico Ryan said some things about it. I know it affects the entire organization, though, support staff included. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are involved in something like this. I think it's very similar to what happens during the course of the regular season. You kind of have a schedule, a plan of how you think things may or may not go, but the reality is you always have to be able to adjust and adapt to the circumstances. So we talked about it after the game. Um, D'Amico talked to Dennis, um, and we kind of decided in the end this was kind of the best thing you know, for us. So it's a good opportunity for us. D'Amico mentioned this the other day just to kind of go through sort of a regular season week here. Um, it's kind of dry run in terms of scheduling, planning, how to treat the off day, some of those types of things. So have a lot of respect for the Saints organization, Dennis, Mickey. Mickey's been there a long time. So, you know, the fact that they had enough flexibility and were receptive to the idea, I think in the end everybody's just trying to figure out what's the best situation for their individual team. Um, so looking forward to the challenge uh, that they present as a team on Sunday. Um, and, you know, we reevaluate each year as we go. I think we certainly um, got a lot out of the practices against Miami, probably would have got a lot out of the practices against the Saints. I think just as we looked at the arc of the week and kind of where we were as a team with certain spots, just felt in the end this was the right thing, you know, for us and the players. Nick, in totality, the week against the Dolphins, from the two joint practices to the game, obviously there are a lot of learning moments in the game that we that fans got a chance to see. But the joint practices as well, how did you think the week went? Yeah, interesting. You know, Wednesday uh, had a pretty good day, uh, both sides of the ball. Thursday, probably Miami had the edge, and then the game, in the end, Miami had the edge. And I think some of the things that showed up during the course of the week, some of the things that we can certainly improve or get fixed, those manifest themselves in the game a little bit, which that's the reality of what the NFL yep. is. If you do the, the things you need to do on a weekly basis, give yourself a chance. If you don't, you're probably going to be in a little tougher situation. So, um, you know, turn the, didn't turn the ball over. We were able to get the turnover, but didn't take advantage of the field position there. And then kind of the long run at the end of the half, um, a couple of the long runs kind of, you know, made the score um, look the way that it did. So, um, but we were able to evaluate some players. I think one of the things that you've seen, you've seen some players improve. You think you've seen some players take advantage of their opportunity. So it's really one day at a time, one week at a time. And then whatever the opportunity is, it's up to the players to go out there and perform. Um, and we'll talk about this probably a little bit closer to the next week. So, 
as we look to the roster, you know, it's about it's not about 53 players. It's going to be more than 53 players. So we're probably going to have some players that are off the roster that can provide some depth. We're going to have some players on the roster that provide some depth. They may or may not be ready to play. So it's getting the right players with the right mindset, with the right mentality that we feel at some point we're going to be able to use um, any given Sunday. Nick, joint practices, you can work on a lot of stuff. Tackling is probably not one of them as there's just sort of a wrap-up kind of mentality. Is that one of those things that only game experience can improve? Yeah, it's a great point, Mark. Probably early in the year, tackling is probably the one area you'll probably see a lot of bad tackling, but it's something that you can drill, something that you can work on. Really, tackling is about a mindset. It's about technique. It's about body position. It's about leveraging the ball. So it goes back to, and D'Amico's talked about this endlessly, in the end, it's about basic fundamentals and techniques. So how you approach the ball, how you attack the ball, how you practice tackling without bringing them to the ground. It's getting in the right position, the thud, the wrap. You just can't drive them to the ground. So once you get into a game, you're going to either tackle well or not tackle well. So, you know, tackling is always something that you can improve. But early in the year, I'd say tackling is one of those probably skills or areas that not everybody is probably as equipped as they should be. But the more you play – and the more you get in game situations, can teach off of it. Hopefully, you can improve as the year progresses. Nick, how's the preseason life changed? And, and this is what I mean. For a long time, when there were four preseason games, you kind of there was a ramp up to game three. You saw a little bit more of the starters, quote unquote, in game three. But then by game four, it was you're getting ready for a regular season. It was a lot of guys fighting for last roster spots getting at game four. Has it changed? The way that you look at it, is it still a ramp up to game three or is it every team is looking at it differently based on where they are in their evolution? Yeah, it's a good point, John. I think as you look at the league every year, it kind of changes what the team's philosophy is, how they approach it. I think the way Coach Reed approaches it in Kansas City has been consistent, how he plays. And I think when you look at what Coach McVay's done with the Rams, They've had a different philosophy previous years. This year is a little bit different because they have a little different dynamic. I think really what you're doing is evaluating your di- your team dynamic. Where are you as a team? What do you think you need to do to best prepare yourself for week one? What players do you really need to get a good evaluation of playing football? So I think there's a lot of things that go into it. To your original part of the question, it's just shorter. You have less practice opportunities yeah. before the first game. So it doesn't mean it's – it's just – it's the same for everybody. Sure. So there's three games instead of four. There, the reality is you include the ramp up. There's less really practices that you have. So each year is different, um, but you're still trying to put a foundation in place, get your system in place, give the players an opportunity to go out there and compete for different spots, evaluate players that you really need to see play, and then try to get the team ready for week one. So you're doing a lot of things all at once. Um, and really, I think the focus is where you are as a team and what do you need to get done and what do you need to co- get accomplished, and then you build a preseason plan accordingly. Well, and the plan changed this week, obviously. Can you discuss the benefits of being home this week instead of on the road and the game week kind of feel that there is going on right now with the practice schedule and everything else? Yeah, no, it's as close to a game week as we can get. So we'll work against ourselves, but a part of that, we're working off of cards. So which we'd have to do during the regular season as well. So we're going to service one another. So there'll be a good on good component where our offense works against our defense, but there'll also be our offense versus new Orleans defense and vice versa. So the process that goes into that, you have an opportunity to introduce that to your players. Here's what we need in this situation. Here's what we need on that. Look, certain players are going to be asked to do more than others in those um, respective spots. So, 
let's say that's part of it, Mark. And then the other is just the actual scheduling. So what we're going to do lifting wise, how we're going to handle the team. What do you do on your off day? How do you structure your day? So the first time you do it isn't the week of Baltimore. Because even once we get through, excuse me, New Orleans, we'll cut the team down Tuesday. Then we have Wednesday, Thursday. Then the players are off for a man, uh, mandatory three-day period, Friday, mm. Saturday, Sunday. Then we'll come back Monday. So um, as best we can, we'll try to simulate what a normal week would look like um, during the course of the week, practice during the week. Friday is a little bit of a lighter day. Travel on Saturday, play the game on Sunday, come home and have your day after the game. So that's probably where we are. So we'll try to maximize it and get as much out of it as we possibly can. I feel like we need to remind fans, listeners, followers this every year. The the 53-man roster isn't something that you, you know, walk like, you know, the Ten Commandments, like, this is our roster. We all, we've <laughs> talked about this. It's a fluid process all the way along. Very. But at some point, Nick, you do have to say, these at this point in time, you are the 53 guys on this roster. When for you does that sort of crystallize in your mind? Okay, I feel like these guys are going to be on the roster. These guys, man, maybe we need to see a little bit more. When does that sort of crystallize in your mind? Does, does this become the week or is it before this? When does it kind of happen for you? Yeah, we're pretty close. Um, we talk about it as a staff. D'Amico and I, as a matter of fact, talked about it um, this morning. Yeah. Um, we've kind of talked about it on a regular basis each week. The reality is you're probably 75 80% there after week one, Yeah, candidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are going to be some things that crop up. Injuries may force you to make a decision somewhere else. So really it's just about managing numbers, managing the roster a little bit. Um, and you're prepared for whatever we have to do next week. I mean, you're moving on from players, but you're really not moving on from right, players right. because some of the discussion is, hey, look, we can't carry on the roster. We want to continue to work with you in a practice squad. Come back tomorrow at noon, and if you're not claimed, then as if nothing changed. So there's that mm. period, of, period of uncertainty for a player. Well, do they want me here? Where am I going to be? But the reality is we're going to work, want to work with more than 53 players right that are on the actual roster. So I think the big thing from our perspective is just be honest with the communication to kind of tell them where they are. It's not an end. It could be a start for a lot of people. So I think it's just how you articulate it and how you present it. Um, And I think if you're just sincere and honest with the players, they appreciate that. It's got to be interesting because we discussed this a bit with D'Amico. Sometimes you're saying goodbye for now. It could be 24 hours, but it could be another year or so. And they're back. You never know. Dari was here before Jacob Martin. And those are just two examples. No, you really never know. Exactly. I think it's a great point. So that's why you just try to be honest and fair and understand that it's a hard time for everybody when you go through this um, this dynamic. It's not easy. It's not easy on the players, not easy on the coaches, not easy on the staff. It's hard on their families. So we're cognizant of that. Um, you know, we all have a job to do. I think we all understand when we enter this business, there's going to be some difficult situations or um, – you know, discussions that you're going to have along the way. So try to handle it as professionally, as respectfully as you can. I think the players appreciate that. Um, and you really, you never know. You're closing a book. There's times when a player is going to come back, but there also might be a time where you're, you're closing a book for good. So right. um, always keep an open mind. Always keep the door open and just try to make the right decision and a good decision for the team at the present time. Okay, so my favorite segment, and you know what it is, every single week that we sit down with you, 
We're playing the insert name of team here. I say, give us a scout nobody's going to play. <laughs> but we'll, we'll go through it. But like, but like your scouts, you send them out to do advanced work, right? And so they do the work, so that when it comes time to say, hey, give me the grade on this guy, they've already done the work. Well, we play the Saints later in the year. You just have to do your work now. You have to be yeah, early. Exactly. exactly. But I know you know this team. I don't know who will play, but just the Saints in general. Whether we're going to see the, whether we're going to see these guys or not. What about this team? What's kind of the scouting report on the Saints? Yeah, a really good football team with a lot of good players. Um, and I think they have a, a fairly well-established program, even though Coach Payton isn't there. I'd say there's a lot of remnants and a lot of hallmarks of Sean and the imprint he left on the program. I think when you start with Mickey, um, you know, Mickey's one of the longest tenured, I think, general managers in, in the NFL. Oh, so yeah. has done a great job. Uh, building the team um, you know coach Allen has kind of been there at different points um, you know they've made some key acquisitions here I would say over the last few years um, obviously signing Derek in the offseason was big Mike's coming back offensively I think Alave is as good of a player that nobody really talks about in his position to kind of reshape the tight end position here a little bit um, and I got uh, Kamara is probably one of the best say all-around backs that there is in the league mm. I think they're working through some things on the offensive line. Got some good players. Also have some things they're trying to figure out, you know, on their end. But they've had a lot of good players in that program for a long time. And then defensively, I mean, Cam Jordan's a player who I'm honestly not a lot of people talk a lot about. Right. He's probably going to go down as one of the greatest history, uh, greatest players in the history of the organization. Um, you know, just extended his contract so he can retire as a Saint. Um, they've probably had more changes on the defensive side of the ball than maybe they have offensively. Uh, drafted Brze, the Clemson kid, you know, in the first round, who we did quite a bit of work on. So, um, good front. Demario Davis is another player who's been a really solid, steady, consistent player. Uh, drafted Alante Taylor in the second round, second or third round last year. Um, you know, Roby's there. Lattimore is one of the better corners in the league. So they're a very talented team yeah. when you actually look at them, you know, top to bottom. So, be a good challenge regardless of who plays or who doesn't play. Um, you know, they've played Jameis offensively. Jameis is basically – him and uh, Hayner have taken the snaps here you know, in the preseason, so it looks like they have a pretty good group of quarterback top to bottom. So experienced team with a lot of, of, of high-quality players with an influx of, I'd say, some youth. Um, drafted Kendra Miller, the TCU kid yep. there in the middle rounds this season. So it's a good football team with a lot of talented players. So – um, we'll see him this week, and then to your point, John, we'll see him a little bit later on. So yeah. it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, be a good kind of initial introduction to the team as we yeah. go. What about the environment? Because as a preseason game goes, this is a pretty raucous setting, <laughs> which is good prep for Baltimore in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it has a tendency to be very loud in there. Um, been in that stadium a number of times, not on the uh, the right end, and you basically get run off the turf and you can't hear yourself think sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's a loud environment. It's indoor. I think the difference is indoors versus outdoors, but I'd say mm. Baltimore's outdoor venue is as loud as an outdoor venue is in a league. So there'll be some things that we can experience being on the road, being in a loud environment, being in a hostile environment, and see how the team handles it. So never an easy place to play um, in New Orleans. Um, won't be an easy place to play in Baltimore, you know, week one. All right. There's nothing you can do about it now, Nick. I'm, I was curious about this, and I'm going to use 2017 as an example. In 2017, when you were with New England, we had joint practices with you guys up at the Greenbrier. Then flew here and played a preseason game, and then we played you guys in week three. I can't remember what week we played the Saints, but are there any issues that of playing a team in the preseason versus playing a team in the regular season? I mean, you may not see the same players, but is there anything to be gleaned from, hey, we played in preseason, hey, we need to be on the lookout for this? Is there anything with that at all? 
really the big thing is probably maybe more operationally. Okay. How they mm-hmm. sub, the pace of sub, how they do it, signal, don't signal, some of those types of things. Yeah. The schematics, you're going to see things in preparation going into the game from the weeks before, however you know weeks it is. And in the end, it's a very personnel-driven league and matchup week to week. So how they deploy their people, maybe how they use them, those are some of the things that they're going to kind of, as you go, you'll see. But it's probably more an operational front. For the most part, it'll be pretty vanilla. Whatever your system is, your system, yeah. you're not all of a sudden just going to come up with a brand-new system six weeks from now or however long we play yeah, yeah. them. So. More than anything, you're just maybe a smidge more familiar with the players and the operation, just their cadence of maybe how they play offensively, how quick they get to line of scrimmage, how quick they get into play in a huddle, you know, those types of things. So I got this question. Somebody said, it's a young team, right, the Texans? And I said, yeah, they're a young team, but got some vets at key position groups all over the place. So how would you characterize what you've seen so far? I know we're not down to the cuts yet and all of that, but based on what you've seen in camp, Nick, so far (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> We're a hybrid, I guess, yeah. young and old. So, um, yeah, a, a number of the veteran players that we signed in the offseason have come in and done a great job with, I'd say, their play, their performance, their leadership, um, and then I think the attitude of the younger players from the time they walked in the building to now has been exemplary. So, um, you know, I think we're happy with the people that are in the building. We brought them in here for a reason, um, and they've been able to kind of blend or work well together. So, we're still kind of in the infantile stages of just really putting this team together for the 23 season. We're getting close to the end here, but it's taking a lot of work. Um, everybody's had the right mindset and the right attitude. And in the end, it's about just taking it one day at a time, just trying to do the right things consistently over the course of a long period of time. Um, but the players have done everything that D'Amico and the staff have asked them to do with the right mindset. Um, and in the end, it comes down to execution. Are you doing the things football-wise you need to do to win football games? I would say you know, the other night was a good example. We didn't do enough. There were some positives, but we didn't do enough from a football standpoint. So can we improve on some of those things, get some of those corrected, and then build on some of the things that we did well? And that's where you really want to see your team make strides and move forward. Nick, I think you have to find a way to bring Will Anderson out of his shell. Um, I think he's <laughs> holding back a little bit. <laughs> I kid about that. Um, week one is Baltimore. And it's going to be here a lot sooner than we think. What's the process, Nick, for getting ready for Baltimore right now? And I know it's not this week, and it's obviously it's a couple of weeks, but still, it's going to it's going to be here. What's kind of the process in getting ready for Baltimore, especially breaking in a new offensive coordinator, new offensive scheme with Lamar, et cetera? Yeah, no, we have resources allocated um, to watching. You know, we were at Baltimore's first uh, preseason game. Probably had some. We're working on really the first three uh, in-season opponents. Mm-hmm. So. By the time next week rolls around, we'll pretty much have the team evaluated. We'll have the reports written. So we're focused on the league, but we're also um, hyper-focused on you know that first opponent, um, getting prepared for that, understanding there's going to be a newness element that's involved Baltimore-wise, especially offensively. Yep. So not so – I mean, there's player, there's a player component, but really more schematics with Coach Monken and his addition to the staff. Um, and then defensively, second year for you know Coach McDonald there um, and what they do. They've kind of – have some new players. Um, they've been dealing with a lot of things in training camp, you know, similar to most teams, dealing with players that are in, that are out, that are injured, whatever whatever they're dealing with. So, um, no, we're certainly preparing for multiple things at sure. once, getting ready for New Orleans from a football playing coaching standpoint. But then we also have the scouting staff kind of looking ahead to Baltimore a little bit, starting to build the scouting report on that. So by the time the New Orleans game is over, we flip the page and we start to get ready for Baltimore. Yeah. And then once their team is put together – knowing who the players are on the 53 and also knowing who the players are on the practice squad because at any point those players can be elevated. Yep. 
Nick, if I go on a Cafe Du Monde run, how many, <laughs> how many beignets should I get for you? Johnny, Wait, you, you're you can, asking the you wrong question. You can give question. mine to John. You're, so. you're asking the wrong question. I've been to New Orleans have, very often. So. so have you had a Cafe Du Monde beignet? I don't think I have. I, I know that I shocks it. a lot of people. I wouldn't start. Yeah. It's you know, don't start. It's, Just it's say no. It's a bad one. They're highly have it for bad me. Bad one. <laughs> Char grilled oysters at Drago's. Okay, that's good too. But probably not on your menu these days. Probably or not. Any days. <laughs> Nick, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There's the GM Nick Casario. And if you want to see that video of that conversation, it'll be up on YouTube soon enough if it's not there already. And our conversation with D'Amico Ryans yesterday is up on YouTube if you want to see D'Amico. Me and Johnny, probably not so much. The faces for radio kind of thing. And I get it. All right, the team's going to have a practice schedule Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we'll have interviews and sound bites and things like that as they'll meet the media. But it's not going to be like the normal training camp barrage of interviews after every single practice. They are more uh, in a regular season mode right now, locker room availability, that kind of thing. So you'll see how you get your Texans content consumption in the next few days, and you'll see how it changes. But, look, you'll still get it all right here and on HoustonTexans.com and on the Texans app. All the Sports Radio 610 guys will have you covered as well. Coming up, Johnny and I play More Likely to Happen, and it's fun. We've got Anthony Richardson appearing, Jonathan Taylor, Damian Pierce, not really in person, but we talk about them. So just stay with us. You'll get the idea soon enough. It's Texans Radio. Continuing on the program tonight, great to have you with us, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as the team is in a regular season kind of mode here, even though it's still technically training camp or theoretically or one or the other or both because the team plays the Saints on Sunday, day off today, which is pretty typical for a regular season week, and then practice tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, travel Saturday, beat the Saints Sunday night, looking forward to it. But Johnny, are you ready now? For the game that swept the nation a long time ago and still does, more likely to happen? Oh, yes. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. More likely to happen. All right, first one, more likely to happen. Damian Pierce, 1,000 yards this year. Or, wait for it, Jonathan Taylor, 1,000 yards. Because who knows? Is he going to hold out? What's going to happen? Will he play? Is he even healthy? We don't know these things. More likely to happen. Go. Damian Pierce, 1,000 yards. Woo. So let's say that Damian, just, just subtract two games from 17. Just yeah, Damian get banged up, you know, sprained ankle here, going into a bye week. You need a little bit more time, whatever. I'd like to see him play 17, but let's say he gets 15. 15 to get 1,000. If you go for 70 yards a game. Doesn't sound like a whole lot, but if you go for 70 yards a game for 15 games, that's 1,050 yards, 1050. Yeah. I think Damien could do that because mm-hmm. he's going to have, there are going to be a couple games where they're going to get stymied. This just happens. And he's going to have a couple games where he goes over, over 100. Say four or five of those games, he goes over 100. He's at 1050, easy. The Jonathan Taylor situation, no clue. My gut tells me that. He's going to stay in the building, but not going to be available. He's okay. going to be in the building. He's going to hold in. A hold in. He's going to hold in for as long as possible. Kind of like Watson a little bit. Yeah. In a different way, of course. Right. And I think they're going to I think they're going to keep him on the 53-man roster. Ooh. I think because I where are they going to trade him? Well, hang on a second, though. He's on pup right now, isn't he? Right. At right. some point. 
if he's going to be on the 53, he's got to come off pup. Right. Which will be interesting yeah. because he says he's Good healthy, point. right? But they have him on pup, so who knows? He's not using a spot right now. Is this even legal, what yeah, they're doing? It's, all of it's weird. Yeah. All of it's weird. He's been given permission, he and his agent, to look for a deal, which I think is one of those things where when you're growing up and your parents are like, yeah, go ahead. Go out with your buddy who's a bunch of fun, but he's a troublemaker. Go ahead. Go see what happens. And you go out, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go, oh, boy, my parents knew what was going on. I think that's what the Colts are saying. Go ahead. Oh, I'll give you one better. Go go find your team. He's not going to find it. I'll take the analogy further. This is your five-year-old saying, I'm moving out. And he leaves the house. (laughs) Right. Go ahead. Tell us how dragging his bag with him down the street, yeah, down the driveway. He doesn't even get to the sidewalk. He gets to the end of the driveway. He's like, I don't know what I, I, I do. need. The mac and cheese that mom makes. I got to go yeah. back in the house. I don't even have a credit card. <laughs> so, I think that's kind of what this is. Like, all right, go ahead. I mean, go look. I mean, you know, see what you can find. Um, but I do think what it could lead to is them holding on to him, getting near the trade deadline, because you know some team. Some good team is going to lose a back or lose a weapon, mm-hmm. and they're going to look at Taylor and go, you know what? Mm. I think we could do that. Maybe they're I, asking prices in as much. Maybe he agrees to a lighter deal. Who knows? Maybe so. And, and maybe he agrees to a shorter deal. Like, for example, I know the team that's been brought up is Miami. Well, I know Miami's got a lot of money tied up in Tyreek, but two is still on his rookie deal, right? Right. So... Yeah, but those bills are coming due. I know that bill's coming and, due. And Waddle, not yet, but, but that, come that due bill's at some coming point. due as well. So, uh, you know, they pay Chubb. They're going to have to pay Jalen Phillips at some point. It's coming up. So, could they do something where they're like, look, let's do a, like, let's do a two year deal. Let's get him for this year and let's tack on two more years. Right. Let's give him, what does he want? He wants 16 million. Let's give him, thir- let's give two at 30 and let's guarantee the 30. So, you get this year and you get two others. Now, what do you have to give up? What do you have to give up for that? Ooh, boy, that's dicey. So that, that to me, is the hard part. Like, okay, maybe you can come to grips with a, with a smaller, shorter contract, whether Taylor agreed to it or not. I don't know. But maybe he does just to get out of that situation. Mm. I don't know what Miami would give up. But what if you put Jonathan Taylor on the Dolphins? Here's my thought, though, that sounds on paper great. That offensive line is still the offensive line. And yeah. I don't know that I trust it. Yeah, I don't know that I trust the offensive line. But you got a game plan for this. It would create would be hard. some problems for defense. Would they be the best team in the AFC East if they get Jonathan Taylor? I guess you could argue on paper, but I know a lot of people still don't fully believe in Tua. I know they put up big numbers for a stretch last year, yep. but Josh Allen, as far as winning the division, I don't know about Super Bowl run, winning the division, I think a lot of people would put their stock in that. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers, they would buy stock in that because – the ceiling seems so high with the Jets and all the other assets they have. But you're going to go with Pierce 1,000 over Taylor 1,000. That's more likely to happen. Next one. More likely to happen. All right. Listen carefully now. More likely to get his first win. C.J. Stroud. I'm assuming he starts here. Bryce Young. Who gets their first win first? Stroud has Baltimore on the road, the Colts at home, the Jags on the road, and the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. I'm just going to go first four here. Okay. Bryce Young at Atlanta, New Orleans in Charlotte, at Seattle, and Minnesota at home. Who gets the win 
first. The first win of their career. I keep thinking the Texans are going to, at a minimum, win, win week two back here. We haven't had a win since December 26, 2021 at home. We've got to win a game at home. I, so, I just, those two games, though, for the Panthers to start, they get Atlanta on the road. That's always a tough game. You remember, you remember how that game went last year in Atlanta? It's 34-28. P.J. Walker's in the game for the Panthers, and he throws a 65-yard oh. seed to D.J. Moore, who celebrates throwing his helmet off. They get a 15-yard yeah. penalty, shanked extra point, losing overtime. And I saw that again in the quarterback show. Right, right. Exactly. Um, so that game's always, no matter what, Carolina-Atlanta is always kind of weird, but I think Atlanta will win that. I feel like coming back for the Saints, the Panthers – like the Texans getting back home after a tough opener, I think that's the game that the Panthers win. I think it's the game the Texans win. But because I'm biased, I'm going to say the Panthers lose that one and go C.J. gets it first. C.J. gets his first career victory over Bryce Young or mm-hmm. before, before Bryce Young. All right, I've got another one involving a rookie quarterback. Here we go. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. Anthony Richardson bust or at least tremendous disappointment or Malik Willis resurrects himself Ooh. as a semi-solid oh. starter. So wow. Richardson bust, Willis changes everybody's mind. It becomes a pretty good starter. Doesn't have to be elite, but serviceable starter. I have More said, likely to happen. I've said from, from day one when I first saw Malik Willis that his game had plenty of kind of wild child in it, but – you could see, especially the senior bowl, there's a little bit of restraint. He started showing a little bit of that. I think last year he's thrown in the fire, and it's just like, I got to get out of the fire however I can. I think what you see in the preseason, you still see some things that aren't that good. My point is, I'm leading towards Malik Willis becoming at least a competent starter in the NFL because I feel like there have been changes in his game since he left Auburn. Auburn. I mean, he was all over the place. I mean, he's just an athlete playing quarterback. He's now turned into, I think, an athletic quarterback. Now he's got to turn into an athletic quarterback under control at all times. I mean, there's still some things like against the Bears, he's got a guy wide open at the five-yard line. He's just got to stick it, just put it on him. I mean, that's a Malik Willis throw. Just zip it right, right. No, he throws it five feet too high. The ball gets tipped, intercepted. So it's it's those things he's got to continue to refine. But I think – Given a few, and I, and I know we don't give quarterbacks this time, but given another year or so, I do think he can turn into a competent quarterback. Here's the problem. It's going to have to be, hey, we've brought you in to be the backup to Kenny Pickett. Yeah. And Pickett gets hurt, and you're forced to go in, and you're forced to be the guy, but now you're three years into your career, and you really kind of find yourself. I think it's going to be Willis. I think Richardson will do enough to not be a complete and total bust. Okay. He'll do enough. He'll hit some deep routes outside the numbers. He'll make a few runs. He will do enough. He'll he'll become Justin Fields, and the Colts will say, you know what, to win this game, we got to have him carry it 20 times. And he'll do it 20 times. He's got the body and the build to be able to do it. So I think he'll be just successful enough. So I'm going to go Willis to be a competent starter at some point. I think if Richardson has to go without Jonathan Taylor, and that's looking more and more likely, get ugly. that could be a big problem for him, especially in the early going. And look, Willis could end up playing for Tennessee again this year. Yeah, true. Levis, and we'll talk about the mayonnaise later. Levis 
And then you've got Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Who knows? What if he gets hurt again? What if it doesn't work out? Whatever the situation might be. All right, let's get another quarterback one More in here. likely to happen. Let's go to the NFC North, a division the Texans are not playing in any way, shape, or form this year. But more likely to have a better career from here. Justin Fields, Jordan Love. Better career from here. Jordan Love has the reins in Green Bay. Are they going to be able to do something? Fields, obviously, has the reins in Chicago. You've got new weapons. You've got a new attitude, like Patty LaBelle would say. <laughs> Is it going to work out for either one of these guys in their places of business? Okay, before I answer this, I have a question for you. All right. And it's somewhat rhetorical, I guess, but why have I heard so many people this offseason Say that Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the NFC. In the NFC? Not the NFC North. I'm talking NFC. I've seen multiple people say that. That's crazy. I'm dumbfounded. That's crazy talk. Dumbfounded. Let me ask you this. You've got to go through a season. You taking Fields or Dak Prescott? I'm taking Dak. Yeah, I'm going to take Dak. I think I'm going to take Dak. I'm going to take Dak. I'm not saying Dak is that great, and that's not who I consider to be the best in the NFC. But let's go out west here. Oh, boy. It gets thin in a hurry. Gino resurrected himself in Seattle. Actually, higher than he's ever been as far as his level of play. I mean, I don't know if you're ready to say Mr. Irrelevant is that great, but he's certainly good enough on that particular team. He fits them very well, and that's the important thing. Uh, Daniel Jones. I might take Daniel Jones over Justin Fields if I have to go through a season at this point in history. And Jalen Hurts, let's get to the the, the meat of it here. This is an MVP candidate who no question is better than all those guys in my mind. Jalen's number one. I I can't remember who I saw making it. Well, Justin Fields is better than Jalen Hurts. He's got a better arm. Uh, He's... He's a better runner, all that. I'm like, yeah, but Jalen Hurts has the special qualities that yep. you look for in a quarterback. Yep. And, oh, by the way, his passing has improved every year, and he's still a dominant run quarterback when he needs to. Point being, I'm going to say love because I I am a – and both of them are in, the, in this category. Prove it to me, but I've always been a Jordan Love guy. I've always loved Jordan Love. He's one I've of your been guys. a Jordan Love guy for a long time. I want to see it come to fruition. I think he can do things throwing the football in a special manner, and he's now got he's got everything at his disposal. Here's the other thing, too. And I think Luke Getzey's going to be a good offensive coordinator, but Jordan Love's learning from Matt LaFleur. I mean, I would much rather have my quarterback learning from Matt LaFleur because who did Luke Getzey learn from? Matt LaFleur. So I'm going to go with Jordan Love. Okay, that's it. More likely to happen in the books. Let's go around the league next. We're not going to hit on every story, but a lot of them, and they're very interesting, including fight at the Colts practice with the Eagles, Will Levis, really interesting endorsement idea, and a starter named to a Texans opponent this year. It's coming up on Texans Radio. All right, our final segment here on Texans Radio tonight with an around-the-league thing as November 5th. Well, let's get to the sounder first. November 5th. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers invade NRG Stadium. Baker Mayfield has been named the starter for the Bucs. Johnny, is he still in the hole when the Texans play the Bucs November 5th? Does he last? I'm going to say yes, and I don't think it's so much. I know Kyle Trask had a nice ball game the other night, but there's just something with Trask that I've never been totally sold. And I should be. The guy's got a great story. Um, just not totally sold on him at being an NFL quarterback. He doesn't move extremely well. I think you have to in today's NFL. Rushers are too good. Defense coordinators are too good moving quarterbacks off the spot. Um, but I think 
Baker's not been special by any means with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think there's still enough there when he's playing with Evans and Godwin if they're both healthy. Um, they got to get more on their run game, but the offensive line has taken a few hits. Donovan Smith's no longer there. Uh, Ali Marpet retired. So the offensive line's taken some hits, but I think Baker will be the guy at least this year. And if he's not, then the whole thing crumbles, then Caleb Williams will be at their disposal or Drake May or whoever they want to draft uh, at the top of the draft. So I think we will see Baker. I think it's let's ride this. Baker can get us some wins. Look, in that division, I mean, I think the division will be a little bit better, but I still think nine wins could win that division. Yeah. So I think Baker can get enough wins to at least keep them in it and then you never know what happens at the end of the season. So I think we'll see Baker, yeah. I think it's Atlanta versus New Orleans, and I think New Orleans gets it, but we'll see because everybody's got problems. It's kind of like life itself. All right, let's get to the next one. All right, Johnny, I'm going to ask you a loaded question here. And I don't know where it all goes for their season, but am I enjoying what's happening to the Indianapolis Colts right now? <laughs> That's my question. Yeah, you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. You're this. enjoying it, yeah. I'm enjoying Taylor seeking, well, getting permission to seek a trade, <sighs> fight at practice today with oh. the Philadelphia Eagles, and Anthony Richardson got punched? Yeah, Anthony Richardson apparently, you know, in the joint practice, quarterback will run the ball, and you're not supposed to tackle him, but the opposing team will try and punch it out. Peanut Tillman punch it out. Yeah. And apparently Derek Barnett, defensive end for the Eagles, went to go punch it out. Boom, boom. And apparently – Punched Richardson, and that kind of set things off. And then a little while later, uh, Jason Kelsey, all-pro center of the Eagles, uh, thought a Colt hit uh, an Eagle pass catcher late. So Kelsey went over there and enacted a little bit of justice. And then after that, um, you guys go to your separate corners. They were separated for the rest of practice. This is like Texans against Washington in yeah, 2015, yeah, yeah. Yep. although that was the worst I've ever seen. That was terrible. Practice. That was oh. a tidal wave of activity, oh. right? Well, they all met in that field. There was, there was a field one and a field two, and field one's fight was going on as they were starting one in field two, and it all kind of merged like right there in the middle. It was nasty. Oh, it was nuts. It was uh, – watching it live, I thought, this is going to go viral. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is going to be very bad. There are a few things that went viral. The hop and D'Angelo. Yeah, hop and D'Angelo Hall. I end things. I end things. Yeah, that. <laughs> and then the Vince Wilfork blast into the backfield. What was mm -hmm. that? That went viral as well. Yep. Um, and RG3's mom hosting a radio show. No, that just went viral in our little world. <laughs> but, Johnny, so the Colts have this altercation. You know what? Forget about them for a moment. I have this vibe right now, and it's for good reason. So the Patriots canceled joint practices. I know they had the injury yep. to feed into that. Yeah, I say. Yet Lafleur yeah. and Sala saying what they said, which mm -hmm. is uh, maybe one is good enough. Yeah, you had what happened today. You had the Texans calling it off with the New Orleans Saints this week. I feel like joint practices, they're going to get heavily rethinked, or they're going to go away because teams cannot afford this. Right, fights, injuries, wear and tear. I know the preseason games are our own special kind of wear and tear, and the officials are there, joint practices, but they really can't enforce much. It's not like there for the world to see on the game stage where it just feels different. It feels more policed, if you will. I thought about this after the week with Miami. I, th I think there are a couple things that I would do. If I were the NFL, here's what I would say. I would say, you want to have joint practices? Fine. You can have one. Oh. You, you I'm sorry. You can have two weeks worth but you can only have one joint practice with that team because when you get to the second day that's when it gets dicey yeah the second day gets very dicey because now you're seeing the same guys like okay 
This guy did this to me yesterday. I'm going to go get him. You can have the first two weeks of the preseason. You can have a joint practice, but you can have one practice. So if let's say you play the game on Saturday, you get your joint practice in on Thursday. Also, there is nothing of an individual nature. You oh. just do team, team or seven on seven. Good. That's all you do. You don't do one-on-ones. Right. You can do one-on-ones with your team. That's it. But it becomes a true scrimmage situation. The now, one-on-ones are fight starters. They're absolutely fight starters. Um, and I don't know how this happened with the Eagles and Colts, but I think think about how we are, just you and me right now, think about how tired we are and how what we've been going through, which is nothing compared to these players. Now imagine you got to go against some other team where the intensity is a thousand percent and you got to go against them for two straight days yeah you know what i think joint practices the third week of the preseason they look good on paper when you're at the owners Mm -hmm. meetings and everyone's sitting around like yeah let's get together and then you get here and it just feels sort of like too much right and maybe that might be the case with a lot of these teams all right i'm going to go with one more here because i can't resist this one when you're talking about Endorsement deals and oh. Will Levis and what is it a lifetime endorsement yes. from Hellman's mayonnaise? That's a little esoteric to me. Yeah, and it's awesomely bad, but it's so awesome. Will Levis, I think it was at SEC Media Days, put mayonnaise in his coffee, and everybody was mortified. Which is what Will Levis is apparently of milk. He is apparently mortified. It's like snakes. Or really? heights. Because it comes from a cow? I don't know. But does I don't he know, know how mayonnaise is made? I, All right. I don't know. But he put mayonnaise in his coffee, and I guess he continues to do that. Now, he also eats bananas with the peel on. So maybe Dole? Maybe? Oh, Dole yeah. Dole would Chiquita? give him a, a dia Chiquita? Yeah, absolutely. But that's where it comes from. So there, there's a commercial already on social media of him sitting there and with all the mayonnaise behind him. Hates milk. Can't stand it. Loves Mayo, lifetime Mayo deal. Good right, for him. You know he, why? he might be a third stringer who has a lifetime Mayo deal. Good for him. <laughs> I know, because Malik Willis, like right. we said in the last segment, hey, he's going to become the next pro bowler. Just kidding. But this makes me feel better. You know why? I put mayonnaise on my French fries. It's a Euro thing. Yeah, I, I do get it. That. Look, I'm from the Netherlands. It's huge over there. A lot of people are disgusted by it. But it's not nearly as disgusting as putting mayonnaise in your coffee. Yeah, so crazy. I'm off the hook now. Yeah, you're off the hook. See? I put mayonnaise on, I mayonnaise on my fries. It's like a garlic aioli that a lot of people put on fries. I'm cool with that. Totally. I think that's fantastic sounding, actually. I mean, maybe after this show, maybe fries and some mayo. Um, mayo and coffee? Nah. No yeah, way. not, not yeah, a good no thing. Way. Anyway, no. good luck to Will Levis uh, with that, but not so much with the football thing with the Titans, nothing personal. All right, that's it for the show tonight. We'll be back on it tomorrow. Thank you to Nick Casario for being on the program tonight. And we've got big programs coming up before we get to New Orleans for the night game Sunday, 7 o'clock kick right here and on Fox 26 and the Bull 100.3 FM and Mega and many other places. Have a great evening, everyone. Go Texans.